This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to our classes in St. Louis or San Francisco, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by Telerik, the makers of Kendo UI. Kendo UI integrates seamlessly with both AngularJS 1.x and 2.0. It provides everything you need to integrate with AngularJS out of the box, bindings, component configuration directives, template directives, form validation event handlers, and much more. And yet, Kendo UI tooling does not depend on AngularJS, so if you want to use it with Angular or not, that's totally up to you. You can check it out at kendoui.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 100 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. John Papa. Hello. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv. Quick shout-out about Angular Remote Conf. That's going to be uh, September 14th through 16th. Uh, we also have Aaron Frost with us, who was one of the original panelists on the show. Hello. It's good to be back, man. It's really interesting. We've been doing this for almost two years now. Yeah, it's crazy. So we've we've it's... been live at two ng confs. We've I mean we've talked about this stuff since I think before they announced Angular two. I mean it's just been well, uh, Angular two's been long in the making. It, it it'd be tough to say which one came first. Long Angular two's been long in the making. Does that make us the chicken or the egg? If it was Adventures to Angular, maybe um, I'm pretty sure when we talked about doing this podcast that we didn't know about Angular two. I'm pretty sure as well. Uh, I remember when we do you remember when we first talked about this podcast, Chuck? Yeah, it took me a few months to come around, so I think it was like in February or March of twenty fourteen. But do do you remember where and when that was? No. I do. Easy does. It was at Code Camp, whatever year that was. Oh really? At the University of Utah. You and I were hanging out in the green room. I haven't been to Code Camp since, so... I'm curious from you guys to hear about the creation story, because I think I came in maybe seven or eight episodes in, but how did you guys get this idea? I mean, nobody was doing podcasts about Angular at the time. I think you guys were, like, the first that I knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was actually Aaron's idea. Oh, really? Mm, mine? Yeah. Yeah, you came to me and said, we should do a podcast. You were on JavaScript Jabber at the time. You're like, we should do po- an Angular podcast with Chuck. So were you, Joe. So was I. Well, yeah. I was on JavaScript at the time. And Merrick so, was as well. And Merrick was. So I went and talked to Chuck at that code camp, presented the idea, and he was relatively warm. And I remember then we met at that Thai place for lunch and mm, talked about Thai. it. Yeah, yeah, I remember initially I was like, I don't know if I have time for another show, but I liked the idea. And you guys kept bringing it up. So finally I said, all right, let's do it. <laughs> That's what I remember. Right. 
Right. So today we're going to talk about, uh, you mentioned Chuck, that we're going to talk about kind of a hundred shows in review and what our favorite parts were and tell us yeah. about this. So we, I don't know if there's more to tell about the origin story of the, the show. What made you guys think this was going to work? I mean, you think about this perspective though, it's, yeah, Angular is big now and it was big then, but I think it's bigger even now. I think so too. But to have a podcast on a single framework, so. you know. That seems kind of limiting. I don't think it has been, but it seems kind of limiting when you first think about it. So how did you get there? I think that the reason I thought it would be good, I don't know about anyone else, but uh, local to where we all, the three of us, Joe, Chuck, and I are, we had a, an insanely successful JavaScript user group mm-hmm. that, that grew every month. Every month got bigger and more successful. And then, I don't know if it was around that time. I think it was kind of around then they broke out and started. Well, I mean, that JavaScript group was just getting inundated with requests to do more Angular. And they broke out and did their own like Angular JS meetup. And I think we just saw like how much demand there was locally. Like we knew it was probably similar everywhere. I don't know. That was kind of what made me go, yeah, anything, anything Angular at this point is probably going to be pretty successful. So. Do you think that the podcast has, and even things like ng-comp, do you think those things have been successful because of Angular? Or do you think those things have helped contribute to kind of the widespread uh, knowledge about it? I, I want to jump in here and answer your last question first. I think it ties into what you're asking now. But for me, from my perspective, the other reason that this appealed to me as far as doing a podcast about Angular was that I have friends that have done much more niche down shows than say JavaScript for JavaScript Jabber. And what they found is that they got a more focused, uh, more engaged community out of it than some of the more general podcasts tend to. And so I, I wasn't so concerned about it being as big or as successful as Ruby rogues or JavaScript Jabber. I knew that it would get as big as it needed to. And I also like Aaron, I had some idea that we would uh, gather enough people from the Angular community to make it a success. And as far as your your next questions go, I think I think the answer is both. We have helped shape and create conversations around the Angular community, but I also think that the growth of Angular has contributed to the success of the show, mainly because there are a certain number of people that tend to like to get their information in an audio format, and so by having the shows available in a podcast format and have it available so that people can hear the conversations and, and get the information that we're putting out there and finding out any news that we bring up and things like that. I think that contributes to that. It's raised awareness of at least a couple of conferences that I'm aware of, including ng-conf and AngularU and Angular Remote Conf. And then the other thing is, is that we've also had people come in and try and contribute to, hey, have a conversation about this, have a conversation about that. And so in some ways, we act as a surrogate for the community and provide a gathering place for the community so that the Angular community has more than just Angular.io or Angular.google.com or wherever that information is to go to to get the information that's out there. And so I, I think I think it's all kind of been a little bit synergistic in the sense that we both represent, contribute to, and benefit from the community. Well said. Yeah. I think it's to answer John's question, which is, you know, who makes who, uh, who made who, the NGConf and, and, and Adventures in Angular helped make Angular or the other way around? I think NGConf and Adventures in Angular and things of these nature help Angular 
But my feeling is that angular anything any cart that ropes itself to the angular horse is is going to be on for a pretty wild ride. Mm-hmm. So my think my I, my thought is that angular and the angular team is what makes this stuff big and they encourage yeah. a fr- friendly community, which I think. Whatever you want to say about any other framework or this framework, the community around Angular unparalleled. I mean, compared to any other community around any other framework. So, I really think it's Angular itself and the Angular team. I agree with you, uh, Aaron. That I think Angular has become so big and it's been big for a while, and I think a lot of people are, are really excited to uh, do anything with it. To the point of people were craving for a while, and even still now, people are craving anything to find out information. It's really hard in this day and age to figure out how do I keep up with technology X, Y, Z? And there's a lot of ways. There's Twitters, there's blogs, there's the Angular IO docs, there's conferences, there's podcasts, there's video casts, meetups, user groups, all sorts of things. Uh, and I don't think there's any one way to do it, but I do think that having these types of things and Angular adventures is, it's, we're just one piece of it. But I think there's, I think all these things are needed to keep Angular moving. Because otherwise, there's some groups of people who only listen to podcasts and some people who only watch Twitter mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Well, one thing I just want to add to what Aaron said, too, was that anything that hitches its horse to Angular is in for a ride. I think that's mostly true, but I also think it needs to add something to the community or at least be in sync with the community and the feel of the framework and the message that the core team's putting out there. If you're in there and you're trying to spoil or cause problems or if you're you're just slightly out of sync with the rest of the community and, you know, not on message with what people are really doing or thinking or feeling about the framework, then I think I, I think you're going to lose enough people to where you're not going to be successful. But the flip side of that is, is that there's such a strong feeling among the people who use Angular as to what it is and what they want it to be and what they get from the community that it's pretty easy to figure out what that is and fall in line with it and then help augment it so that we bring more people into the community that match up with what we want the community to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have to add something, right? Yeah. Like today, I, I know of a couple of different podcasts that do, do Angular, and, and there's also what the Angular Air podcast, yeah. which those guys have been pretty successful too and do a good job. But I think you can't just have 20 podcasts in the same thing, right? There's definitely room for different perspectives or 20 blogs in the same thing. They get to add something. And yeah. I still think there's plenty of room for people to add things to the Angular community. So if yeah. you're feeling, you're out there, you feel like there's something you have to offer, uh, either as a, a blog or a podcast or something else entirely, even just a GitHub repo that shows how to do something wicked cool with it, I think there's plenty of room and opportunity to still do that. I, I think it's yeah. interesting that you say that because it really does, A, line up with the message of Angular, but B, yeah, I mean... You know, Ward has a bunch of uh, perspective from writing the docs, and you have a bunch of perspective from uh, building stuff in Angular and writing the style guides. And Aaron has perspective from his work and from the people that he interacts with. And he and Joe have perspective from organizing NGConf. And we all have perspective from talking to some of the people that we've had on the show. And, you know, Jules, who's a regular on the show, has a perspective from being in contact with the folks that are building Angular on a day-to-day basis. And so all of those perspectives are valuable. And then, yeah, the, the guys on Angular Air, Patrick and Jeff and all of those guys, you know, they, they're coming at things from a little bit different place. And 
you know, they, they have their experience to bring as well. And so we don't invalidate each other by kind of doing the same thing. I, I think eventually you could saturate the market, but I think then it just comes down to, you know, I don't have time to pull in one more voice on Angular. And so there's a particular show or a particular resource that gets left yeah. pulled more than the others. And to be clear, I mean, I do this show because I find value in the conversations and the perspectives that we hear from our guests. And you know, it's not the answers we provide, but the questions and the way of thinking about the problems. If I didn't find value in those things, I wouldn't be part of the show. I mean, I wouldn't listen to it either if that was the case. Yeah. But as long as we're posing the right questions, it's not just about finding answers, about how do you think about these problems? I think that's value. Well, and, so, and this ties directly in because I've been thinking about, you know, what's kind of the core mission of devchat.tv and all of the shows that I participate in uh, week to week. And my overarching goal is to help developers recognize that we all have a particular talent or skill that we can use to impact the world in ways that, you know, I mean, we are we are empowered people and we, ha we have a certain uh, level of opportunity and privilege that we can go and make a difference. So we can go work for the companies that are making the difference we want to make or we can go and share our skills with people who are trying to move up in the world or whatever. But the world is running more and more on code like what we write. And so, you know, all of these perspectives, all of those levels of experience, all the conversations we have all directly contribute to helping people who are trying to make that difference have the tools necessary to do that work. And I think that kind of synergy and, and that understanding between all of us, you know, that we, we care not just about the code, but about the people writing code and about the reasons why we write code. Uh, I think that all comes into the podcast and makes it what it is. It goes well beyond just, oh, there's another library out there that makes Angular nicer. I think the community around Angular is pretty cool, and we have a, a lot of diversity as far as people's experience levels. And I think that's one of the great things about Angular is it lends itself well to all experience levels. You got guys like John Papa that do it and like it and enjoy it and think it's think it's solid, all the way down to you know people just beginning, and it lends itself well. Angular one lends itself very well. To that Angular two look, looks like it's going to lend itself well to that. And I think that creates a, a pretty cool community. You look at like at NGConf, one of the things we highlighted was we found these two guys who they just apparently sit on Stack Overflow and answer AngularJS tags all day long. And it, we had a really special moment where we pulled Mark up on stage, uh, Mark, Mark Rajok, and I was like, Mark, I was like, who knows this guy? And one, I, I looked in the audience, one person said his name. And uh, one person raised their hand. They knew who he was. I was like, okay, even though you don't know this person, I didn't know him. He's affected all of us more than you you even know. He's helped Angular more than any of us probably could. And he's he's got the all-time high score on Stack Overflow for answering Angular questions. And it was the, – like the, the applause that this guy got, Mark got, was just absolutely insane. And he was so humble about it. He's like, I don't, I don't think I should speak. I don't, I don't really want to speak. And I just, you know, I'm just here to be part of the event. And that was just, and I think there's so many people like that that are just like, I just want to help. And, and, you know, early on when people are just wild westing it, John Papa, Todd Moto, and a couple other people pump up with these really valuable, insanely valuable style guides to help us all kind of wrangle like herds of cats as far as like writing things the right way. And 
this has just happened again and again and again. And I think other communities are missing these types of investments and contributions. They get similar contributions, but I don't think they get them like the way that they in a community gets them. And I think that's a really special thing. Anyone listening, I think that the people listening here are what make it special. I mean, Angular is great. I think that the community, though, specifically is what makes it what it is, which is the framework of choice. I agree with you. And I think if you really look at why that really happens, I mean, really cutting a brass tax in this, you can build awesome solutions with Angular, Angular 1 or 2. And when it comes down to it, how are you going to be allowed to use a technology at work? Your leadership needs to feel confident and trust in you and your team to build the solution that you're trying to do, the business solution. They can do that with Angular 1 and now with Angular 2. So I think because that trust and that confidence is there in such a great product, that kind of lends itself to the community wanting to go above and beyond. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. I mean, because the community, when you're at work and you get stuck, that's your 1-800 number, right? It's, you don't have, it's not like a, a Microsoft product where you call Microsoft. It's, it's open source. And how do you get unstuck? like Stack Overflow and the local user groups and and stuff like that. So the community is so important, more than I think most people realize when you're building an enterprise team of developers around a, that are going to use a specific framework. And I think Angular's nailed that story down really well, thanks to the Angular team, but also thanks to the Angular community. Just made it really easy to understand that like these are the people here for you. This is the 1-800 number, and it really works, and it's it's super effective, and everyone's really friendly. So I'm so, curious, we, we've kind of been talking about the, the community and and kind of the path that Angular's been on and the path that the podcast has sort of paralleled in certain ways. Where are we going? And, and how does the community and the core team and all of these other things that we've talked about, how do they kind of fit into that? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think, in my opinion, um, and this is just one I realize, and I don't know if it's official, but when we were picking talks for ng-conf, one of these talks came up and he was like, hey, these inline styles that you can do in Angular 2, I think these are really important and he submitted a talk about them. And I kind of caught his vision. Like, yeah, I think that is going to be really important in Angular 2. And he gave a killer talk at ng-conf. Justin did. And I think the community, just by picking the topics they think are valuable, I think they get a, they get to direct everyone and where we're going to go. But also... The guys like John and, and the people who are in there using it right now who are dealing with the major API breaks in Release Candidate 2 and Release Candidate 3 and whatever, those are the people that are getting to shape Angular 2. And it doesn't matter if you just started Angular 2 today. You have a chance to be one of the movers and shakers. Like, it's it's a pretty good time to relive what we relive, what we lived on Angular 1, like see a bunch of pioneers come up and help everyone. So, yeah, that's my thought. I 100% agree with you. I think the more feedback we get from the community on the talks, my favorite sessions, my favorite shows are the ones where somebody has said, I really wish I knew how to solve this problem. Or, I really wish I knew how directives should be written. Uh, when we get that kind of feedback from people and sometimes we hear that a conversation show about it, those are the ones that I get the most enjoyment and value out of. So I'd love to actually call out to the community and say, look, if you're interested in a topic and we haven't done it or you want to see us do it better or with a specific person even, contact us on Twitter at the, uh, the Twitter handle that Chuck can give you here and let us know. We'll, we'll find the people to get on the show to do it. Yeah. The other thing that you could do is if you go to Adventures in Angular, 
com and you click on suggest a guest or suggest a topic, you can actually fill stuff in there and we get those in a Trello board that we work off of. Mandy in particular works off of that to get us the right people to have those conversations with. Kind of looking back at Angular, since this is the 100th episode, I look back at kind of where it was in 2013 when I started using it. I think it was a big deal back then. It's It was nothing like it is today, but it certainly was a big deal and it was certainly changing things. I, with a couple of my friends, got lucky enough to, to start a conference around it. And I think Joe and I have been these strange people. Like, we're, it's kind of a weird group of people to be, like, oddly benefited by the growth of Angular and by the, like, embraced by the Angular community. Mm-hmm. We're not We're not guys who wrote some amazing library in Angular or did some amazing style guide or I, I, I feel fairly average as far as like my contribution to the community. I've done a lot of presentations, but I haven't done anything like course altering, but we did get to sit down and do a conference around it. And it's been pretty well accepted. And the community's it's pretty odd and overwhelming how thankful and like gracious people can be when they like talk to you about your stuff and, and I hope that everyone doing like contributing community, whether it's pull requests on the repo or um, Stack Overflow or meetups or whatever you're doing, I hope everyone's getting the same feeling of like graciousness from the community because it's been overwhelming. I think Joe, I think you can agree that it's been kind of oddly overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Don't diminish what you guys have done because the conference you guys did. Yeah, it's just another conference. But there's nothing quite like NGConf out there. It's more than a conference to me. It's oh, yeah. what you guys did with that is so unique. I mean, and this comes from a guy who I've literally been to probably 70 different conferences around the world and many of them multiple times and spoken at a lot of them. And I've been some good ones and some bad ones. NGConf is near the top of my list. And it's not just because it's because the way you guys run it and the the um, atmosphere and the environment. So I think you guys have had a significant impact on that community because people want to be there, and that's different than some conferences. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree, you know, just with the sentiment in general. The other thing is is that how many ideas came out of NGCon? I mean, there's just no way to know that. You know, how, mu- how many conversations happen that are going to change the way a company uses Angular or the way that the community thinks about a particular problem? How many people showed up to some of the workshops and figured out that there were some other things that they could do to empower people or learn how to do particular things that they can share with their teams? I mean, well, I'll tell you an example of that too, Chuck, is like, is Joe and I helped introduce some of the uh, Microsoft folks to some of the Google folks uh, two NG comps ago, if mm-hmm. you remember, Joe. Yep. They were looking to meet the, Go- the Microsoft folks who I know pretty well. We're looking to meet the Google folks who Joe knows really well. And we're like, hey, why don't you come to NGConf and do that? And some really cool things have come out of that. Yeah. One thing that I'll point out is that I was at Build this year, which is Microsoft's big conference, and they had a whole section there for the Angular team and Google folks. They were all there. The whole most of the core team was there at Build. Which which is insane to think about that collaboration. Yep. Just two giant monolith companies working so closely on something. It's pretty awesome. Yep. And I was walking by at one point, and I saw Anders uh, Heilsberg, who works for Microsoft. He was standing there working over a problem with Mishko. And mm. Brad and Igor and 
Rob were all standing there commenting on it. <laughs> yeah, it, was mm. just, it was just this funny thing, right? Right, right, right. That is interesting. The same is true for this podcast. Like, I, I think it would be cool to be able to quantify, even though you know you can't. How many people came on, heard a guest, or one of you guys, and said, hmm, I'm going to go make a difference? And so there's no way to like go out and extrapolate some sort of meaningful answer. But I think that this podcast has been also super successful. I mean, as I – I was really <laughs> – I feel lame because I was only on like the first, I don't know, 10, 15. And people have been – like as I travel around and like talk at events and stuff, people are like, oh, dude, your adventures are negative. I'm like, well, I mean kind of. But I think it's meaningful. People, the way they talk about it, it, it makes a difference. I think this this podcast is pretty killer. Cool. So you were asking what people's favorite episodes or topics were. So So I'll jump in with a couple that I've really gotten excited over. One of them is the native script stuff. I think that's really cool, and I'm super excited mm-hmm. about that. I, I think it's just interesting to see Angular move off of the web and into some of these other areas where it becomes a similar code organization paradigm, but at the same time, you know, the view logic is native view logic. It's not web view logic. I also, I think at ng-conf, I think I saw a talk or a topic where somebody, and it may have been somewhere else, it may not have been ng-conf, or somebody was talking about using Angular on React Native, which is kind of a similar idea. Um, but then going and looking at the fact that NativeScript, they have a sort of hacky way of making it work on the Apple TV. And so you get into that. And then, well, what about you know Apple TV becoming a, a home automation hub? And what are the possibilities there? And so as you see these things start to grow and you know reach into more areas, it's like, okay, so what's the limit of what this can do? It's just super exciting for me. Uh, not just from the standpoint of, oh, this makes my web apps nicer, but, you know, what else can I touch with this powerful framework? Yeah. Uh, when I think back to one of my favorite episodes, I like the nuance around things as much as I like the details. So the episode where we had Mishko on, it was one of the earlier episodes, and we were able to talk to him about, hey, tell us the origin story around Angular, because I think everyone really enjoys those kind of topics. At least I know we all did with Brendan Ike on JS Jabber. And so Mishko sat down and he was like, yeah, he kind of explained it to us how it started. And I think that if, am I remembering right guys? It was codenamed Manila, either Manila or Manila envelope, like back at the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And he was like, and we were like, wait, what Manila? Are you saying Manila? He's like, yeah, Manila. And so like, we got to sit there and, kind of chat with him about that and learn about the early, early, early days. And that for me was a lot of fun to hear where it started and then hear where it's come at NGCOF. They're like, eh, you know, sincerely, we didn't know what we were doing when we wrote NG1. So at least with NG2, at least we know what we're doing. And like, you just hear the candor around, Hey, we didn't even know what we were doing back then, but now we do. And now Angular 2 is, you know, harboring all this knowledge. That episode combined with some of the other follow-up stuff has been a really fun experience for me. So go check that episode out. How about you, John? Yeah, there, there's a couple. I, I've been thinking about this since I knew we were doing this show. and It was the first ones that came to my mind, and then there was the ones that I think impacted me and some people I know the most. And so I'll mention both these. First, the ones that first came to mind are every time Dan Walling gets on the show, mm. and there's been I think he's been on three times now, I, you know, Dan and I are really good friends. So obviously I enjoy it from that side. And we've been friends for over a decade. But every time I get on the show with him, as well as I know him, I learn something new. 
And I think that's wicked cool. He's just got a wicked knack for being approachable, a super nice guy, and still teaching you something along the way, too, in a way that's really easy to kind of grok. And I really, really like doing shows with Dan. It's one of the reasons I always suggest you bring him back on. Um, <laughs> specifically, though, an episode that I really enjoyed, and it might have been two episodes, actually, Chuck, so I'll cheat a little. So a year ago, we challenged each other to figure out how do we dive into Angular 2 and really understand this and kind of share our experience of learning Angular 2 with the listeners. And we had been, like, involved in Angular 2, but frankly, it was, like, Alpha 27 or 28, and things were starting to shape up. So I think the whole panel, we all agreed we're going to try this and then come back in, like, three or four weeks and share what we learned. And to me, those episodes really, really helped – at least from what I've heard from a lot of the people, they really love those episodes because they got to like walk in the same shoes you're walking in those same steps and say, you know what? We're not the only people out there struggling with this at the time. Uh, Cause there were other people trying to learn angular too, as it was alpha. I think those kind of episodes where we actually try things out and we talk about the successes and the failures along the way and the learnings uh, were really good. So I really enjoyed those ones out of that. I organized this local thing called NG2 Hack Night, and we got Mishko, and we we had I got I got like an insane amount of prizes for some reason. I don't even know how I got prizes for such a informal hack night. And Mishko came and judged everything that everyone did, and John Linquist came and gave everyone a tutorial. It was like insanely successful for like it took me 20 minutes to kind of throw together the event. And then these kind of NG2 Hack Nights popped up all over the world, so. I think that was an episode that I enjoyed as well. Like, that was pretty cool. I forgot about the Hack Nights. Actually, you were the one who inspired me and others to do hacks. So thank you, Aaron. Yeah, the NG2 Hack Nights were big. And I think it was from the same episode you're talking about. Awesome. How about you, Joe? Yeah, so I would say that my favorite episodes are always the live episodes we do at NGConf. Those are always fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed those. You know, the listeners don't know that we can edit as we uh, record the episode. So if we ever say anything, not that we really do it that often. Usually we only edit because of internet problems, but there you're just like live chilling out, chatting with a whole bunch of people. Always have fun with that. The ballroom's empty. There's like six people sitting watching and I don't know how many people watch live, but I always have fun with those. And episodes. usually, and usually Ward is running up to the stage five or 10 minutes late. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <too>. Dressed crazily. <laughs> Always dressed crazy like Ward does. But also, uh, the other kinds of episodes that I really like are the ones I just like getting to hear from, you know, either friends or celebrities and both the Angular community and related communities, the JavaScript communities. So episodes that had some really big people that I admire, like when we had David East on talking about Angular Fire, one of my mm. favorite tools. That was really cool. Of course, having the NG team on anytime we have them on or any members of them on is awesome. Other episodes that I like are the ones that are a little bit different, like our predictions for the year episode, episode 77. That was really fun. Mm. You know, it's it's fun to make guesses as to what's going to go on. Did you go audit any of those yet and see? No, I didn't. I totally should. We should do an audit and see what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we may just do that every year and then pull it out next year. They were all wrong. I'm sure they're all wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Our holiday pick list, that was a fun episode to do. The ones that are very technical, one that sticks out to me is episode 51, which is about the An- Angular 1 compiler with Taro, uh, well, I'll slaughter his last name if I even try it. Just Taropa. Just Taropa. Just Taro. 
Copa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, episodes like that that are super technical, I love. So those are my my favorite episodes. Yep. Taro, it's hard to not love anything he's involved in. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, there's another episode I want to give a shout out to. Episode 17, which was about at script with Mishko Heavery. Right? <laughs> <laughs> at script. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. yeah I, I think that was, that was fun. And, I think and I'm glad it doesn't exist. One of our most popular ones has been the Promises episode that we did. And that one yeah. Was, you know, whenever yeah. we that was one that we... We actually won that one, didn't we? Because I, I remember talking about what are we yeah. going to talk about, and and uh, we had a lot of questions on Twitter and Stack Overflow we'd all been seeing lately about how to deal with promises. Mm-hmm. Who was the guest on that one? Was there guests or was it, was it just, just you guys? Cool. Yeah, promises. I they can be a mind job, but uh, you get a good explanation on it, and you realize that they can be powerful as well. And and that's a good episode. Yeah, I'll take a listen to that one. All right. Well, I know that we have some uh, time pressure, so I'm going to push us to picks. John, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. I've got two here. One is something you mentioned earlier, Chuck, and I've been looking pretty heavily into it lately uh, because I've been looking into mobile products quite a bit. And Native Script has really caught my eye personally uh, for some of the reasons that you mentioned and for some others as well. And that's, I find it's great because I can take my Angular's two skills and easily write a native mobile app that I don't have to worry about. You know, while Cordova is awesome, and I love Ionic for that, uh, to make it easy, there are still places where it feels like, and it just doesn't feel as good as native, unless I do like ninja programming. And native script kind of makes that go away from me because you're not using Cordova. You're using, you're getting a native app. So for that, I really, really like where NativeScript is heading with it, and I'm going to keep diving in there. I haven't yet like gone to the point where I'm going to say this is the thing, but I really like where they're heading at this point. Um, I'd like to see more on their test platforms and their DevOps and you know all the other kind of tooling, but it looks good. And on the non-technical side, it's actually still technical. There's a product called Snap Power, and it's at SnapPower.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's great because basically it's a plug. It's a wall outlet cover, which also now has a USB plug built into it. Oh, nice. So I've purchased these and I put them in my, my kitchens and places that usually you've got 22 little iPod plugs. And right, right. now you, you can just use that and it frees up the regular outlets for like normal things like blenders or toasters. Hmm. So hmm. they're like 15 bucks a pop. Uh, so they're a little pricey if you think about doing a lot of them. But frankly, in my house, I think I bought five and I used three. And I gave two to my dad for Father's Day. <laughs> hmm. Nice. All right, Joe, what are your picks? All right, I'm going to pick uh, another video game. I've been playing this game called Stellaris. S-T-E-L-L-A-R-I-S. I picked it up off Steam. It's a 4X game, so I can't remember what all the X's stamp. It's like a space game where you have to explore, expand, conquer, that sort of thing. Super sci-fi game. Very slow pace, kind of easygoing, kind of like Civ civilization for anybody who's played games like that super fun just really enjoyed it got really great reviews so i'm gonna pick that and uh then i'm gonna pick ng conf 2017 just <laughs> signed our contract today for the venue and the location and date so i'm excited already for that We're already working on it and uh so those are my picks awesome how about you frosty uh i'm gonna do two picks uh first pick i'm picking burke holland uh, this week, Perk, for those who don't know who he is, he's one of the DevRel folks over at Teleric or Teleric, who they're the native script and Kendo UI people. 
Uh, this week he tweeted something that was uh, con- that kind of ner- weirded me out. He tweeted about uh, the patents policy on the React repo. I think it's something everyone should go read. It could potentially be really scary for a company using that. So I'm going to go ahead and do a pick of Burke for that because I think that was a huge call out. Those aren't always easy to call out. Uh, the other thing I'm going to pick is I'm going to pick Angular Connect, which is um, the giant Angular event the main one in europe and it's always it's been it was great year one it looks like it's been great year two tonight actually they're picking the talks and so it's actually right now probably for them as we're speaking it's probably their nighttime so uh, they're probably picking them as we speak so i'm excited for that event i'm really excited to see what happens there and to see what new things come out of that so i'm going to pick and connect in their talks selection that they're doing right now awesome i've got a handful of picks as well uh, the first one is something that I played at NGCon, and that is Rocket League. And it is a game where you play soccer with cars, and it was way fun. So um, we were talking about and I was like, that was super fun. So that's definitely a pick. Uh, another pick that I have, this is something that I am committed to doing by the end of the year, and that is to consume every bit of Zig Ziglar content on Audible in English, because they have some Spanish stuff too. But anyway, um, I've gotten into Zig Ziglar's stuff. He talks a lot about life. He talks a lot about sales. He talks a lot about uh, just being a good person, marriage, all kinds of stuff. So just terrific stuff. Um, so I'm going to pick his stuff as well. As I've mentioned probably on this show or another show, and in fact the episode that comes out next week I missed because I was out of town last week. Uh, and that was I was in Oklahoma, and the house we were staying in had no connectivity which means that I think I got two text messages the entire time I was there, which was for four days. Um, I couldn't actually send text messages, and I had no Internet connection at all. And I'm just going to pick going offline. It was super nice to be able to just not worry about anything. I could go out on the lake with my kids. I could go shooting with my father-in-law and brother-in-law, just all kinds of stuff. And just, you know, I told everybody I was going to not have a connection, and then I just didn't even worry about it. It was super nice, so... Going offline, sometimes it's hard, but super nice. And then the last pick I have is we did go out and shoot rifles and shotguns and stuff, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I really like shooting firearms, so I'm going to pick shooting firearms. Uh, And those are my picks. Oh, and I also need to shout out about Angular Remote Conf again. Uh, That's coming up September 14th through 16th, which is about two weeks before Angular Connect. So if you want kind of a worldwide experience, Last year we had a whole bunch of great speakers. I'm assuming we'll have the you know great speakers again this year. So yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, I'm also working on the conference schedule for next year. So if you are interested in the remote conferences, check that out at allremoteconf.com. And uh, yeah, those are my picks. So we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks to all of our panelists and guests over the last couple of years for 100 awesome episodes, and we look forward to 100 more. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today.